contact sports walk a fine line between acceptable and dangerous levels of violence. When watching State of Origin this year, I thought that if Cleary's cheek had been split open like it was in the street, the person responsible would have been likely charged with a criminal offence. So why is it that players who are involved in serious acts of violence on the sporting field aren't ever criminally prosecuted? And if they are punished, they're only put on report or they're suspended by their relevant sporting body. With the 2021 Tokyo Olympic Games having recently launched, Will and I thought it would be interesting to look at what the law says about violence in sport. Given that acts of extreme violence in sport are so easily excused, you could be forgiven for thinking that there is special legislation that renders violent conduct legal so long as it occurs during a contact sport. While this is definitely not the case, there are some interesting case law which provides guidance on what type of violence will be considered legal and what will not. Battery is recognised by the common law as an intentional tort, otherwise known as trespass to the person. It can be defined as a voluntary and positive act done with the intention of causing contact with another. That directly causes that contact. Ordinarily, a defendant must simply have intended the consequence of the contact with the plaintiff, or made such contact recklessly. The defendant does not need to know that the contact was unlawful or intend to cause harm or damage because of that contact. So, Will, if that is the common law definition of battery, why is it that violent acts occurring during contact sports don't immediately result in civil or criminal proceedings? It's important to remember that the tort of battery is restrained by the concept of consent, and today it's further limited by the Civil Liability Act in New South Wales. So that means that consent could be given expressly or implicitly, as is generally the case in sport. When playing a contact sport like rugby, football or boxing, A person acknowledges to their opponent that they expressly agree to certain forms of bodily contact as defined by the rules of that sport. The Civil Liability Act further restrains common law battery through the dangerous recreational activities defence. If the CLA applies to a claim, the defendant will have no liability in negligence for harm suffered, quote, as a result of the materialisation of an obvious risk of a dangerous recreational activity. And what about where the CLA doesn't apply? In the 2020 case of Dixon, a Northern Lakes Rugby League Sport and Recreational Club, the appellant suffered serious facial injuries after he was leg-hooked and spear-tackled during a rugby league match. He sought damages in the district court and later appealed to the New South Wales Court of Appeal. His appeal was unsuccessful and the court confirmed in New South Wales that unless it can be established that an intentional act was intended to cause injury, it will likely fall within the parameters of the CLA and dangerous recreational activity defence will be applicable. And of course, this contrasts with the incident involving Jared McCracken in 2000. While playing for the West Tigers, he was injured during a professional NRL match against the Melbourne Storm. Jared similarly was spear-tackled and suffered a career-ending spinal injury. Jared brought his claim in 2005 after the CLA came into effect. However, in this case, because the match took place in Victoria, the CLA did not apply and he was awarded nearly $98,000 in general damages, interest and future out-of-pocket expenses. But cases like this go back well before the Civil Liability Act and take place across Australia. Take Smith and Emerson, for instance, in 1986. Smith and Emerson concerned two alleged assaults that occurred during an AFL match. The first assault was alleged to have occurred during the second quarter when the defendant punched the plaintiff on the jaw with a glancing blow. The defendant contended that no punch occurred but that he pushed the plaintiff over after his foot was trodden on. The second assault was alleged to have occurred in the last quarter when the defendant struck a blow to the right side of the plaintiff's face, resulting in a fractured jaw. The defendant said that the plaintiff was shepherding, 
which means legally blocking, pushing, or bumping, and that he pushed the plaintiff to the side to stop the manoeuvre. The court found in favour of the plaintiff and awarded him a sum of nearly $10,500 plus interest and costs. The court acknowledged that participants in contact sports consent to certain acts of violence if they occur within the accepted rules of the relevant sport, but not those outside of the accepted rules. The example was used that, quote, a participant in a boxing match agrees to blows delivered in accordance with the rules, but does not sanction punches intentionally aimed below the belt or an attack with a knife, end quote. Even without the CLA limiting some claims, damages might not necessarily be awarded. Let's look at a case like this now. This next example, which happened five years after the AFL case, was between two NRL players, Hilton and Wallace. Immediately after a tackle between Hilton, Wallace and a third player, Wallace pushed Hilton to the side so the game could continue, but in doing so, Hilton was blinded. The judge accepted that while Wallace was bending over the players involved in the tackle, his left hand came into contact with the plaintiff's face, and that this was more probable than not that in doing so, one of his fingers entered Hilton's eye, blinding him. While the action of stripping or removing aside players following a tackle was not strictly permitted by the rules of the game, it occurred frequently without penalty, provided that no undue force was involved. This incident was therefore regarded as, quote, such violence as is ordinarily and reasonably to be contemplated as incidental to the sporting question, end quote. So no damages were awarded. This is obviously a very different outcome to Smith or McCracken's outcomes. While both the AFL and NRL cases show how a court will look at the rules of each particular sport to determine what types of violence a player consents to, it is important to remember that the rules are only one factor that the court will consider. For instance, if you are in New South Wales, Queensland, Tasmania or WA, civil liability legislation may limit liability during contact sports. Further, the court may view an intense professional match, such as a state of origin final or an Olympics final, differently to a recreational match. It's an interesting area of law and something to think about when you're next sitting down to watch a sporting match. We'd love to know what you think. Should players be able to sue others for battery during contact sport? Remember, you can contact us at www.thecavecurwood.com.au or message us on our Instagram page at trialbypodcast. See you next time.